Actually, I don't want to pop your bubble, Archbishop, but the reason why I really came was because my sister got me a new pair of running shoes. And she said, well, I'll, I'll bring them on Wednesday morning. I said, well, good, because I need them. So. But actually, I am grateful for the invitation to be here, Archbishop, uh, and it's an honor to be back here in St. Louis. I think most of you know that uh, Bishop Gatos had been slated to be the speaker, and unfortunately, he's um, preparing for uh, surgery, and so he, has, he can't be around people. And so um, I got the call and asked, I was asked if I could step in, and certainly it's an honor to do so. And uh, let us offer up a Hail Mary for Bishop Gatos and for our time together this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So many of the uh, things that the Archbishop pointed out in this homily are a beautiful segue into the reflection that I'm going to give. And I, have, I just want to be mindful of the time because, uh, so I came, I drove in last night, um, got here early this morning, and the first thing Nancy Werner said was, well, don't talk too long. I thought, wait, you're driving all the way from Springfield, I have to have something to say to you. So. <laughs> Nancy, if it goes too long, just start waving, okay? We'll see how that goes. So this is the season of confirmations, of course, and graduations and first communions, all the beautiful moments that we have in the springtime of the year during the Easter season. And it's often the case when I'm gathered with uh, for these different occasions, like last night I had a graduation uh, ceremony um, in Springfield at St. Agnes Cathedral. I often... Uh, highlight the parents, of course, and I remind them of that little verse from the baptismal ritual, that parents are the first teachers of their children in the ways of faith. And then that verse goes on to say this, may they be also the best of teachers. The best of teachers. And where does that happen? Long before our children are brought to a school or a PSR program, it is in the context of the home that is the privileged place where faith formation begins. It's all in the home. Pope Francis has stated so often that we need to create this culture of encounter. And that's in regards to the culture, and that's very true. But it begins way before the culture. The encounter begins at home in the family. And only from that encounter in the midst of the family can we go to that next level and create a culture of life by engaging the culture. And so that faith, as we well know, is passed on to our children first by our parents. I'm speaking to a bunch of uh, parents here, I'm sure. And I was amazed as I was up here at Mass and I was kind of scanning the crowd. I'm amazed at how young this crowd is. That's a very positive thing, huh? Now, there are some of you old people here, that's true, but <laughs> this is a young gathering. I imagine there's a lot of parents here, and you've got children at home in grade school and high school, and, um, and those of you who are older, you've got grandchildren. The home is so important. That's the first place of encounter with the faith. And then from there, God willing, we give our children, as they're older, the tools to engage the culture and to make it a culture of life. So in 1999, many of you probably were there when Pope John Paul II visited our city. And this is his famous quote, as the family goes, so goes the nation. 
I remember, I was there when he said that at that homily. And that struck my heart. As the family goes, so goes the nation. And we can sort of extend that little quote as well. As the family goes, so goes the world. And as the family goes, so goes the church. Because it's all tied together, isn't it? It's all tied together. Family life has always had its challenges in every generation. And our generation is not without its problems as well. We're dealing with the continuing issues of poverty, violence these days. Addiction seems to be such a problem that we have to deal with, unemployment. But in every generation, there have been challenges. And today, I think that list of challenges continues, especially through technology. But whatever the issues are that we can identify that are sort of uh, an assault on the family or have uh, consequences on family life, what has been the constant? The church. The church is for the family. And the family helps to form the church. There should be this beautiful relationship between the two institutions, the home and the parish church. Pope Francis called the family a sanctuary of life and love. And that's a beautiful thought. How many of you have ever thought of your family as a sanctuary of life and love? As the Archbishop implied, uh, coming from a family of 10 children, I don't know if we ever thought, oh yeah, we're a family of life and love. <laughs> That's a nice thought, but uh, <laughs> when we were beating each other, you know. <laughs> but he also went on to say that uh, he kind of gave a definition, a new definition to the parish as well. We all have our parishes that we come from. He said that the parish church should be a family of families. And I think in that simple definition of what a parish should be, it's a gathering of all the families within the boundaries, whatever constitutes the parish. So again, we see this beautiful relationship that should exist between the parish church and the home church, the domestic church. And it is within the family that we first learn the lessons of love and forgiveness because the family is what is often referred to as the domestic church. The church at home, where one lives with one's family and where the Catholic faith is lived. And if the family is struggling, the church is there to support it. And at the same time, the family can support the parish as well. It is in the domestic church, your individual homes, the Catholic home. That's where the sacrament of marriage is lived for those who are married. That relationship first between a husband and a wife. St. John Paul II describes the relationship between a husband and a wife as the gift of self. Each one giving that gift of self to the other. And he says it's such a unique relationship that in the giving of the husband to the wife and the wife to the husband, it sort of mimics and it sort of lives out that giving of God the Father. That as God gave himself in creation to the world, husbands and wives give each other that gift of self for each other. And he says that that gift of self is the basis of the marriage covenant. It forms our understanding of what marriage is all about. Now we all know that we're living in a time in which the culture and the government 
wants to redefine marriage in terms of civil unions, whatever terms that they want to use. And I think that is giving us actually, it's, it's a challenge, no doubt, but it's also a beautiful opportunity for us in the church to rediscover the beauty of the sacrament of marriage and to see marriage as that gift of self, one to the other, rooted in God's generous giving of us. The very identity of the marital union, that makes it distinct as one of the seven sacraments. And because of that, again, St. John Paul II, reflecting on the family, he said that the sacrament of matrimony is the family's sacrament as well. Now, I think we're all probably well-educated in our faith. We know we have seven sacraments, okay, the official sacraments. But St. John Paul II is making a beautiful point that the sacrament of, of matrimony is the family's sacrament as well. Do you think of your family situation, whether you're living the generous single life or the religious life in community or husbands and wives and children, do you think of your family as a sacrament? That's a beautiful insight, and I think that's a beautiful contribution that St. John Paul II is giving to us in the church. That your family unit, whatever it looks like, he's referring to that as a sacrament. And wouldn't it be beautiful to recapture and sort of revitalize our sacramental vocabulary and speak of the family as a sacrament? Now again, we have the seven sacraments. I'm not introducing an eighth sacrament. I don't have the power to do that. <laughs> but isn't that a beautiful thought? To think of your family as sacramental. And where is that sacrament celebrated? Typically, our seven sacraments are celebrated in churches. But the sacrament of the family, that's celebrated in the home. And it shows the importance of the home. One of my favorite verses from the Old Testament comes from Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I've always been inspired by that. Whether you live alone in the generous single life or you live in marriage with a family, where you live your physical space at home should be considered a sacred space, a sanctuary. And again, coming from John Paul saying that the family is a sacrament. The seven sacraments, yeah, we celebrate them in the church. That's great. But the sacrament of the family is lived in the home, celebrated in the home. And it highlights the importance of the home then. And just as you come to the parish church to learn about the faith, there are lessons of the faith to be taught and learned at the home as well. That's why, again, parents are the first teachers of their children in the ways of faith. May they be also the best of teachers. Do you realize how important it is, your home, whatever it looks like. And is your home a Catholic home? 
Now you could say, well, of course it's a Catholic home, Bishop Rice. I'm a Catholic and I live in the home, therefore it is a Catholic home. And that may be true, but it may not be true either. If the home is referred to as the domestic church, if it's a sacrament of sorts, then there should be an active and important relationship between the home and parish life. I'm going to ask all of you, don't answer these questions, they're rhetorical, I don't want anybody to shout out any answers. Um, is there anything that pulls you away, you or your family, pull you away from the church, the parish church, on a regular basis? Is there anything that gets in the way of the Sunday celebration of the Mass? Now, in one sense, I think I'm preaching to the choir. You're all here early in the morning for this, the goddess breakfast. So I'm just assuming you're participating in the sacramental life of the church. But maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you got thrown in here because your company bought a table and they were trying to fill chairs. I don't know. And this is a great opportunity for you to kind of take stock in your spiritual life. The Sunday celebration of the Eucharist is the highlight for us in the course of the week. Is there anything that gets in the way of the Sunday celebration of the Eucharist? I'll just throw out one simple word. Sports. Sports on a Sunday. Or a weekend job. Or down in my neck of the woods hunting or fishing, whatever it might be. There was a recent photo in the Springfield paper. Well, it wasn't so recent. It was on Ash Wednesday. Okay, Do you know what Ash Wednesday was this year? Down in southern Missouri, you'd know. It was the beginning of trout season. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal down there in Springfield, Cape Girardeau. Okay? And the next day, on Thursday after Ash Wednesday, um, there, the front page of the paper, it showed this... Uh, uh, it was a picture of some river down there in my neck of the woods, and it was packed, I mean, lined with fishermen. And the caption read, yesterday opening trout season, and it showed all these people. I don't know, there was no room for the fish. It was all packed with people. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that was taken on Ash Wednesday. How many of them were Catholic, and how many of them chose to go fishing instead of getting the ashes? Now, that's just a judgment on my part. It was just a thought that came to my mind. Now, the reality is we don't have that many Catholics down in Springfield, Cape Girardeau, so there probably weren't that many that were fishing that day. But wouldn't it have been lovely if you could have seen maybe one of those fishermen with a little mark of ashes on their forehead? We all have those things that might pull us away from the Sunday celebration of the Mass. And maybe, if not you, what about your children? Or your grandchildren? Have you had that conversation with them? That's a very uncomfortable conversation to have about their attendance at Mass. The opposite is to just be silent and act like, oh, I really don't know if they go to Mass or not, and I'm not going to tread those waters. And what does that get us? Little by little by little, they get used to not going in. They're not challenged. And before you know it, that's another one that's been lost to fishing or sports or whatever it might be. Because it's not worth the argument or the discussion about the importance of Sunday Mass. 
And I say to all of you as I stand before you, mass is worth fighting over. It is worth fighting over. If we truly understand the beauty of the mass and the Eucharist, it's worth having a discussion with family members about whether or not they're being faithful to the Sunday celebration of the Mass. So, is your home a Catholic home where the domestic church complements what goes on with the parish on Sunday? And vice versa, the Sunday celebration continues to bear fruit in the domestic home with the family. We are a church of signs and symbols. What are the signs and symbols of your Catholic home? Another rhetorical question, don't answer this out loud. How many of you in your home maybe have a fireplace and a mantle? Think about that for a minute. And what's on that mantle? Because in an earlier generation, what would have been on the mantle, that was the privileged place for a beautiful picture of the Sacred Heart or the Blessed Mother or the Last Supper. And my fear is these days is that what's over the mantle of our homes is not an image of the Sacred Heart or the Blessed Mother of the Last Supper, but a 60-inch flat-screen TV. That seems to have replaced it. And I'm not anti-TV. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that's, very, that's a good visual graphic of what has happened in our Catholic homes. We've removed the Sacred Heart and the Blessed Mother. Oh, that's so old-fashioned. Mom used to have that. And actually, that's true in our home. My brother and sister are here. They'll testify to that. We have a beautiful image of the Sacred Heart. It was, an, it was uh, given to my parents as a wedding gift, and I have it in my office down in Springfield. It has those eyes that follow you no matter where you are. <laughs> that was over our mantle. You all know what I'm talking about. What's over your mantle now? Is it a 60-inch flat-screen TV? And I'm not making a judgment. I'm just saying that's sort of what we're dealing with. Well, that's what mom used to do. But we're too sophisticated to have all that religious piety in our homes. When you would walk into our home when we were growing up, we, were, we belonged to, we lived on Louisiana Avenue, uh, St. Cecilia Parish, Caddy Corner from the schoolyard. And again, my siblings are here. I can't lie or embellish this, or they'd call me on the carpet for this. You walk in, and right at the doorpost, there is a green Connemara marble holy water font that a priest, a friend of the family, had given to us. And my mom always had it filled with holy water. Well, we're used to having holy water in our churches. But what about in the domestic church, in our homes? Because the home is that privileged place where the faith is passed on. We would bless ourselves coming and going when we thought about, I'm not saying I was always blessing myself, I wasn't that conscious of things back then, but it was there, and there were times when we would do that. When the priest would visit our home, we would be blessed with holy water. And I would like to think that my parents did a great job of making our home a sacrament. Making our home sacramental with the signs and the symbols. The use of an advent wreath. We have that. A crucifix in every room. Multiple crucifixes. My mom was of that ilk. If one crucifix was good, five was better. <laughs> you know? 
And I remember one time when we decided we were going to paint the rooms and spruce up the joint a little bit, we said, all right, Mom, you get one religious item per wall. <laughs> and again, you might think, of, oh, yeah, that's how they used to do it, and that's so old-fashioned. But again, I think this beautiful contribution that St. John Paul II has given to us in saying that our home should be sacramental. We get the sacraments. We understand that, don't we? But that our homes should be sacramental as well. I remember going to the home of one of my college classmates in the seminary, uh, invited us our class over for dinner, and there was a note on the top of the television. I've said this constantly as a good example. The note on the television said, would Jesus watch this program with you? Now you think about that. Would Jesus watch this program with you? When we think of all the filth and all the smut that we allow to come into our home through the television or through the computer or through magazines that might come, when we think of all that smut and all that dirt, it's almost as if we're opening the doors of our home and we're giving the devil permission to come in and reside. And again, it's good to kind of ponder these things. Is your home a Catholic home? We are a church of signs and symbols. Do we have these symbols in our home? It's almost like, again, we've given this permission for the evil one to kind of, just come on in. You're welcome. Have a seat at the time, dining room table. My challenge to all of us is that we need to reclaim our homes and make them places of faith the domestic church, a sacramental experience where the faith is lived and affirmed and witnessed. We must reclaim the home as that sacred space. And so when I ask you, it's not a kind of rhetorical question, it's a good question to ponder. Is your home a Catholic home? Now again, I think I'm preaching to the choir. But at the same time, many of you have children or grandchildren, and you might be thinking, well, I need to have a talk with them. That's a good thing. Have that talk. In his own day, St. John Chrysostom lived in the 400s. He was the Archbishop of Constantinople. How do I know this? I just ran into this random quote of his. That's how God works when you're work, you know, kind of working on the talk. And you run into this random quote, and oh, this is perfect. He said to the people of his day and age, Make your church into a home where even the smallest ones are committed to seeking the message of the word of God and to live it. Now he was telling his people, make your church into a home. I suggest that we take it a step further and say, let's make our homes into a church and make our homes sacramental. Because all the things that I've just been talking about, images of the Sacred Heart, or the Blessed Mother, or Holy Water, or Advent, these are all, they do have a term. They're called sacramentals. They're not sacraments, but they're sacramentals. And it's almost like we've pushed a lot of these things to the side, and we've allowed other things to come into our homes, and our home has lost that haven of being a place of faith. And I think that's the challenge of this day and age where we are living in technology. John Christensen went on to say, when we teach our children to be good, to be gentle, to be forgiving, to be generous, to love others, we instill virtue in their souls and we reveal the image of God to them. And he goes on to say, this then is our task, 
to educate both ourselves and our children in godliness. Otherwise, what answer will we give when we come before Christ's judgment seat? It is a reminder that we would do well to remind our families often that the purpose of marriage and family life is to get each other to heaven. Have we forgotten that? Have we become so much a part of the things of this world that we've forgotten about the world to come? The purpose of marriage, you husbands, is to get your spouse to heaven, your wife, you women. Get your husband to heaven. I know it's an arduous task, but try. <laughs> you who are with children, Get those kids to heaven. That's the greatest gift that you can give to them. And it started at baptism. I just wonder out loud, have we forgotten all that? We're so immersed in the things of this world. We have forgotten about the world to come. And again, what lessons are we teaching our children when we allow so much garbage into the home? Through television and other forms of media. There have been times when I've been maybe watching TV at a, a home of somebody I get invited to. I'm embarrassed to watch what they're watching. And the sad thing is, they're not embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, but they're not. And I'm thinking, am I out of touch? What message do we send our children when we have them, we allow them to have their faces buried in phones? And they won't even talk to you at the dinner table. Now that's supposing that you're sitting down to the dinner table together and that you yourself don't have your face in the phone. And I'm the biggest violator of that. If we have this sacred meal in church called the Eucharist, and if our home is supposed to be a domestic church, a sacramental experience, then should not our meals at home be sacramental as well? And yet for so many, sitting down for a meal has gone by the wayside. Another victim of a busy, scheduled life. The most powerful example that you can give to young people is your own faith. Whether it's a father or mother, that favorite aunt or uncle, they can kind of make an impact by their example. When young people see adults living the faith, that makes an impression on them. They may not say it. They may act as if they reject it. But it's noted in their mind. They see the example, and that's so important. That offers a vital witness to our young people. Marriage, family, the single life, all of our vocations, the priesthood and the religious life, we're all called to reflect that love of Christ in our world. In the sacrament of marriage, that beautiful reading from Ephesians, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. This total unconditional love, actually that's the definition of each vocation in marriage, in family life, in the priesthood, in the single life. It's all the same thing. Total unconditional love because we've all been baptized and because of that call to baptism we're called to love 
And so in his letter on the role of the Christian family in the modern world, John Paul II says that the mission of the family is to guard, reveal, and communicate love, whatever your family situation looks like. And when that is accomplished, he says, it is sacramental. And then he challenged families. He says, families, become what you are. What does that mean? Become what you are. Live out your baptismal call as a family. Be that witness to Christ in the world. Be sacramental. When a family prays at home, they welcome God into their home. That could be through the evening meal prayer, trying to pray the rosary together, a morning offering together, an Our Father prayed together, some form of prayer at night together. And any family prayer in the domestic church, the home, culminates in the Mass on Sunday. You can't have one without the other. What goes on in the family home, that sacramental experience, should culminate in the Sunday celebration of the Mass. That's why I asked at the beginning, is there anything that gets in the way of the Sunday celebration of the Mass? And then the Sunday celebration of Mass should pour forth into the sacramental experience of the home. We've all heard this before. The family that prays together stays together. They become sacramental together. We just opened up a um, adoration chapel in Springfield on January 1st. We have an adoration chapel, a 24-hour perpetual chapel in Cape Girardeau at the hospital, St. Francis Hospital. It's been going on for years. And my goal is to get, um, we have it in Cape. My goal was to get one also in uh, Springfield. And then my next goal is to get one in Joplin. Those are the three major cities in my diocese. So uh, I was working with the committee, and on January 1st of this year, we uh, dedicated the Perpetual Adoration Chapel in Springfield. And this one man was talking to me, and he said, one of the greatest blessings that I have is my hour of prayer with my dad. And he said, that has become so important to us in our lives that weekly hour of prayer, a dad and his son praying together. And I think, you know, that's something that I never got to do with my dad. My dad passed away when I was in high school. I have fond, fond memories, and I'm grateful for the times that I went to Mass with my mom. We used to go down to St. John the Apostle downtown when she was still working. They used to have a noon Mass every Friday for I don't know how many years. We would meet there for Mass and then go get a fish sandwich. That was my routine on a Friday. Great memories, huh? But praying together, the family that prays together stays together. They become sacramental together. I think all of you know that this year marks the 100th anniversary of the appearance of Our Lady of Fatima. And Sister Lucia was privileged to partake of those visions and she wrote a letter to Cardinal Carafa of the Pontifical Institute for Studies on Marriage and Family. That's a mouthful, and I don't really know what that means. But this is what she said to the Cardinal. The final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan is about marriage and family life. Don't be afraid. 
Because anyone who works for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be fought and opposed in every way. Because that is the decisive issue. And then she goes on to say, however, Our Lady has already crushed its head. So we have nothing to fear. And as we look at the political landscape in our country, we can see that being played out, can't we? All of these political battles about family and marriage. Yeah, that's the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan. And those who promote family life and the sanctity of marriage will always be fought and opposed in every way, but the victory is already ours. Our responsibility is to be faithful. And so today the church urgently needs families that are willing to strive for personal sanctification, to build up one another in the faith, and especially in regards to the youth because they are the future of the church. We're called to witness to the beauty and the truth of our Catholic teachings on marriage and family to foster a spiritual strength and to withstand the, threat, the threats of our society. So I close with these thoughts. Pope Francis states that parents always influence the moral development of their children for better or for worse. How is it in your home? Is it better or worse? And so this morning we have gathered here, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles and everything in between. I pray that you take your faith and the role that you have in the family seriously, enthusiastically. Never fear to speak about the faith because silence becomes lost opportunities. The Catholic Church has the answer to the ills of our society. And actually, it's nothing new. What have I asked you to do? To look at family life. To reclaim your home for God. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I have asked you to see your family as a sacrament where the faith is lived and shared. The family that prays together stays together. I have asked you to eat and pray together at home, the domestic church, and in the parish on Sunday with mass. You brought me up here from Springfield and I've told you absolutely nothing new. Because we know the answer. We know the answer. It's prayer. It's the sacraments. It's the family and it's the home. And we know what we need to do to strengthen it. And when we do that, we will build up a culture of life. And that's when life will be victorious. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone.